Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. congregations out in the panhandle some of them are not able to gather at all some of them are in pavilions and tents and things of that nature Um, they are still without power and so let's just ask God to touch their church families I said this uh, Wednesday night and I do feel just compelled to pray that God would not only uh, give them a, a speedy end to all of this but in the meanwhile I mean, in the meanwhile, we need to ask God to just help these congregations have a sense of cohesiveness, amen, to stay together and not let the enemy scatter, amen, but let the presence and the power of the Lord touch them. And so uh, let's just ask God to minister on their behalf. Can we do that, Lord? We're asking you to touch all of the churches in the area, God, that have been affected by the hurricane. We pray that as they gather for the very first time to worship you corporately and formally, that you would just anoint their heart and their minds together. I pray for every pastor, God, of every church that is affected. Lord, give them the spirit of a shepherd today and the voice of a gatekeeper, O oh Lord. Help them to stand as the watchman on the wall, sure and intent in their words. I pray, God, for a spirit of comfort and peace to just encompass these congregations, Lord, and help them to stay together. Help them to be committed, Lord, to hold on to one another and to trust you, Lord, through the aftermath of the things that have affected their life and their futures, their homes, and even their jobs in some cases. So we pray, Lord, for your anointing to be upon them and to strengthen them now in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. Praise God. Amen. And you may may be seated today, and it is indeed an honor to be here in the house of the Lord and to be with you in the house of the Lord. Amen. It, it would be one thing to be in church, but I'm glad I'm in church here. I am glad I'm right here in the house of the Lord. We're happy to have Brother and Sister Doug Smith with us today, and a full-time evangelist, and we're excited about them ministering in the second service, and, and uh, we're just happy that, that it worked out they could be with us today. I want you to join me, if you will, in the book of Joshua, chapter 6, and verse number 25. And uh, we're going to talk about a lady that is familiar to many people, but perhaps not all. And so I'm going to try to fill in as many blanks as possible here. But a lady by the name of Rahab. The Bible says in the book of Joshua, chapter 6 and verse 25, And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive and her father's household and all that she had. And she dwelleth in Israel even unto this day because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Amen. She was active. And, um, and so today I want to 
talk to you from this subject that it's what we do. It's, it's what we do. It's the action of the church. And uh, I, I'm just going to, by way of confession, and uh, I mean this as sincerely as anything I have ever said or ever will say, but I truly felt, um, I just truly felt the Lord was just dealing with me in studying for today's service. And um, because I know that all of us at times can hear the word of the Lord and even receive a directive from the Lord. It's one thing to have the faith to hear from God, and it's another thing to have the courage to act on what God has uh, spoken into our heart and life. And so uh, from that, I want to just talk about how important it is um, that we move on what the Spirit of the Lord has has prompted us to do, uh, whether that's individually or corporately. And I, I, I feel compelled when I speak along these lines to certainly preface my comments by saying that I think what we do should be filtered. Amen. I think that it should be in line with the Word of God. It certainly ought to be in line with the voices of influence in our life and direction in our life. And, and it's very, very important that the Spirit of the Lord lead us. And I think God has a way of confirming that leading many, many times over. The lady by the name of Rahab lived in, in, the, in a wealthy city in Palestine, just a few miles from uh, area rivers, which were not just a source of water for these people, but it was also the lifeblood of their commerce. A very strategic place, a very specific moment in time. Added to these benefits, the founding fathers of this particular city um, were wise in their planning and because they built massive walls around its entire perimeter, not walls that we think of when we think about walls, but these were walls that were large enough that houses could be built on top of the, on top of the walls and even some houses were built into the walls. And so it was very prominent, very significant. And as a matter of fact, it was in one of these houses in the wall where Rahab found her home. It provided room and shelter for her and her family. And, and uh, her home was removed significantly from the city's main pathway to allow privacy because Rahab was a harlot or a prostitute. And so it was... It was, it was it was a place secluded enough uh, that it would be out of the main view of, of everything, so to speak. And so here is this home of a harlot in the side of a wall in a city. But God was going to do something with her. You know, I, I know there are no accidental or even incidental mentions in Scripture. John said if everything were written that could be written, the world wouldn't contain it. And so... When we see any story in the Bible, uh, we should not discount its significance because somewhere it plays a role in the scheme of everything. And so here is this honorable mention of uh, a lady that was living less than an honor honorable life. But this is where her home was. It provided shelter for her family. And, uh, but it was at this place and this home, and we don't have the details of how all of this played out just frame by frame, but we certainly know that, that when Joshua sent the Israelite spies in, they knocked on her door, and it was that one visit that changed everything. Amen. It was that one visit, and I maybe should say it was her response to that visit that changed everything. 
When we consider the second chapter of Joshua, we have a pretty significant snapshot or portrait of Israel's standings. And so uh, for the sake of just kind of going back in the story, and we're going to do that a couple of times uh, just to bring all of us maybe up to speed, and uh, we need to understand where we are if we're going to see where we're going. So Moses is dead. Joshua's the new leader. Um, this is their first renewed effort uh, to go into the promised land that's been talked about ever since Genesis 11 and 12. So Joshua sends in two spies as opposed to Moses sending in 12 spies. As far as they reported, Rahab's report is the only intelligence that these two spies collect. That's all we know in scripture at least. She is, they go to her house and uh, Rahab says, we have heard of your God. And the things that he has done. I mean, this is the most unlikely affirmation that we could possibly find. But she says, we've heard of your God and the exploits. And we know how that he has already given you this land. We knew you were coming. Amen. They didn't know that via the communications that we have today. But there were communications. Somehow they had gotten word that God, not only were the children of Israel coming, but God had given them the land. And so we know you're coming. And it was because of that faith that when, when uh, the enemy came to, to steal away the spies, Rahab said, We're gonna, I'm going to hide you. And she hit, took them to the top of the roof of her home and hid them. And, uh, and they said, For this reason, if you will tie a scarlet cord in your window, then when we come back in to take the city, if we see the cord, that whoever is in this house is going to be saved. I know this all seems so bizarre against the landscape of the 21st century, but certainly we understand that the word of God has spoken now in a very specific way. And so the story continues into the book of Joshua. The children of Israel cross over Jordan's river at a time when the banks were overflowing. They crossed the river. And after they crossed the river, it was now that they're in Canaan. And now they're receiving some of the promises of being in Canaan. For one thing, the manna ceased, and they started eating a normal diet. They had had manna all of those years. But it was all due to this unlikely hero named Rahab. The Lord granted a promise to her and to her entire family. Amen. I, I believe with all of my heart that I have lived long enough to witness these kind of family blessings. I really believe that I have. I believe that I have met families who were so blessed and it was a generational blessing that was just upon. I'm not suggesting they couldn't do anything to stop that, but, I'm, but I just believe there is a generational blessing that has been upon those families because the Lord said to you and whoever is in this house, to your family, we're gonna, you're going to be spared, you're going to be blessed. And so it's, it's refreshing. And so if there's a possibility that a blessing can go from generation to generation. I know we can find that in scripture because the Lord even promised to bless Solomon for the sake of his father. Amen. And so I'm thankful for that. And so I just want to appeal to every parent and uh, every guardian here today, every influencer here today. Amen. We, we can hand our children and our grandchildren something powerful. And I'm not talking about toys and trinkets that will rust with age and time. 
but I'm talking about something that they can get a hold of. Amen. Something that they can get a hold of. I'm thankful for someone that didn't just teach me prayer. They taught that they didn't teach me about prayer. They taught prayer by example. I heard someone not long ago refer to this. I wasn't present at this particular meeting, but I heard someone that was a forum type thing, if I understand the setting right. And many of you may know or recognize the name Billy Cole. Brother Cole has been used mightily of the Lord uh, overseas and missions work, and and uh, and someone was asking him, uh, "What is intercessory prayer?" I think the person asking the question was just asking for a definition, an explanation. What is intercessory prayer? To which Brother Cole just got up from his seat and laid down across the floor and went in to intercessory prayer. Amen. Stunning the audience to near silence. I won't just talk to you about it. Let me just show you what intercessory prayer is. Amen. You know what? We are here today because somebody didn't just talk about church. They didn't just talk about serving the Lord. They didn't just talk about being faithful. They didn't just refer to Bible reading or refer to prayer. But many of us were raised by people who took us by the hand and they took us to church. They took us to the altar. Amen. They took us to not just an altar down in the church, but they took us into altars in our own home and we prayed together. And no greater compliment will any parent ever receive than when their children need something from the Lord, whether that's a healing or they need help in their studies. Amen. They, they're facing a test and they ask you, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? And so I, I am very thankful for the blessings of God that can be placed upon our life and in the lives of others. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 6, verse 17, and the city shall be accursed even it and all that are therein to the Lord. Here's the exception. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she hath hid the messengers that we sent. Amen. It's what we do with what God talks to us about. It's what we do when the preacher gets through preaching. What are we going to do with the sermon? What are we going to do with that visitation that God pays us in this very service today? Does God have veto power in our life? If he were to say no today, would no mean no right now? Or would we somehow try to explain all of that away on the way home? If God is calling us to a greater and a closer walk with him, would we indeed go to a greater and closer walk with him? Or would we somehow try to wash that away and explain that away? It's what we do. It's what we do. When the walls of Jericho fell, those two spies did in, indeed, as promised, return to Rahab's home. It seems incredibly interesting to me that at the very onset of Israel's now taking over Canaan and walking into the promise that has been given for so many generations that we read about a harlot. It just seems like that's the last person in the world. I'm not trying to be unkind. I think we're all at least to some measure on the same page that, that God would take someone uh, from this kind of lifestyle, from this background, we read about we read about Rahab, and why is it that she is so prominently a part of this story? 
This is not just a slight mention and she comes on to the radar and fades off of the screen, but she is a prominent figure in this story. What is it about her that dictates such inclusion in Scripture? Amen. I believe to, in, to, in, to fully comprehend the impact of Rahab that we have to often look back in order to look forward, kind of see how we got here. And I'm, I'm going to take just a few minutes and just recap some of the events that brings us to where we are. In the time before Jericho, after Israel had escaped from Egypt, there were several major events that you can find in Scripture, and, and you can rest easy. I'm not going to try to name all of them. But Leviticus records a description and the construction of the tabernacle and all of its furniture. There are things that are just being set in place here. It lists various offerings and and they're described in detail and they are established and the priesthood uh, who implemented the offerings, they were also designated and they were empowered and and, uh, once the details of worship were established, the Ten Commandments were given along with a number of other moral and ceremonial laws, God is setting the foundation of the future in place. Included in these were many feasts that were set in order as well. Into the book of Numbers we go, and we can find now even more order and more structure uh, that is given to the children that is given to the children of Israel. In Numbers 13, Moses then sends the twelve spies into the land of Canaan. This was an adventure, according to Scripture, that lasted 40 days. What should have been 40 days of faith turned out to be 40 days of fear. What should have been people coming back and saying, we can absolutely do this. Amen. We can absolutely do this. Ten of the 12 spies brought a negative report. Two of them brought a positive report. Let me say this about those two men. Not even time could dissuade them. Circumstances couldn't change their mind. Amen. Joshua was one of them, and of course, Caleb. And Caleb was flexing his muscles as an 80-some-odd-year-old man, saying, I'm as strong today as I, as I have ever been. <laughs> Can't you just see those bony arms in the, in the air? But something in him was saying, I'm as... Timing is everything, Elder. Timing is everything. <laughs> those, uh, those uh, can't you see those muscle-bound arms in the air of that 85-year-old man? And <laughs> he's saying, I am as strong today. You've stolen the show from the front row. I, I am as strong today as I have ever been. I am as confident in God as I have ever been. I am as sure in God as I have ever been. The flag that was driven in that hill four decades ago It still means as much to me today as it has ever meant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for Joshua and Caleb's in my life. Amen. I'm thankful for Joshua and Caleb's in my life. Sadly, the children of Israel chose to believe human reports than the Lord's promises. We have to ask ourselves, whose report are we going to believe? What are we going to buy into? What, you know, there's a, there's a thousand ways or there's a dozen ways perhaps we could, we could get injured just walking out of this building. And, and sometimes 
people focus so many so much on those things until we miss the positive things that God can do. I, I'm not just talking about a shallow, superficial, um, you know, being the power of positive thinking, but I do believe there is power in that. Amen. So they chose to believe human reports and ignore the promise of God. In Numbers 14, the Lord was going to strike them with pestilence and, and God was going to disinherit them. Furthermore, the Lord told Moses, he said, Moses, if I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but I'm dead on in scripture. But the Lord said to Moses, if you'll move over, if you'll step aside, I will annihilate these people and I will raise up another generation mightier than they. Now that, that's frightening to me. I, I'm not just talking about frightening that there would be death in the camp and that is certainly horrid enough, not just frightening enough that, that all of these people would be completely annihilated. That's frightening enough. But what, what is frightening to me is the fact that if they don't want the blessing, this is what God was saying, I'll raise another generation and I will bless them. Amen. I am... I, I know that somewhere we've got to keep all of this balance. And oh, what a challenge. Oh, what a challenge that can be. But I, I fear sometimes that, that we are tottering and teetering somewhere between God saying, I want to bless you. I want to anoint you. I want to do something in your life. Amen. And, and we're just... You know, we're just trying to figure out all the practicalities of it. I'm not talking about throwing caution to the wind, but somewhere we got to trust the promise of God over the problems of humanity and say, I'm going to put my confidence in the Lord because the Lord is saying, if you don't want it, I will bless somebody else. Amen. I, I, think, this is, I think this is a very powerful thought because I think that it has a broad application. I think Brother Piercy, we're obviously happy to have Brother and Sister Piercy here again is with us as well. They were with us a few weeks ago. But I believe, Brother Piercy, that if I do not want the anointing of God in my life to go to the next level, that he'll just find somebody else to bless, another ministry to bless. I believe that if we don't want that as a family, that God can do the same thing, and I'll just raise up another family to bless but I also believe that that is applicable to a church. And if we don't want to step into what God is wanting to do, then God will just leave us alone and we can find that same blessing manifested in the life of another congregation. And I say, Lord, help me to find somewhere the balance between the promises of you and common sense. Amen. I want to be careful and guarded, but I don't want to be so closed that I fail to move on what God is prompting in my spirit. Or in your spirit as well. Amen. I remember one night in a service many, many years ago, there was a, a very large man of the church. I don't mean necessarily an overweight man, just a very large, a very large man in the church. And, and he came down for prayer and the Lord just laid on my heart. I'm not used in this area a whole lot, but from time to time through the years, uh, the Lord has prompted me to, uh, with a word for someone, and, and and it wasn't all that positive, and and so I would, had been praying and fasting, believing for the Lord to use me in that capacity, and so wouldn't you know it, God chooses the biggest guy in the crowd. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you, 
And so he comes down, and, and, I'm, and I'm sitting here thinking, all of a sudden the Lord answers my prayer, and, and he reveals and gives me something that needs to be said to this man. And I'm thinking, wow. And I figured out right then and there that there's a difference between having the faith to believe for God to speak to you and then having the boldness to speak. It's two different worlds. And I stood there and I wrestled with that for the longest time because you don't want to offend people and, and uh, I've never been real fond of getting beat up. And uh, so just, just somewhere in the middle, I just want trying to find that and, and I don't want you to lose confidence in me today, but I'm just human, just like anybody else. But I felt that prompting in my heart. I just laid my hands on his chest and I spoke what the Lord had given me to say. And I looked up and that man was crying. I was pretty relieved. <laughs> Amen. That man was crying and be repenting. And, and, I, and I realized right there, there's a difference between being having the faith to be used of God and having the boldness to be used of God. Someone said there is a difference and uh, there's a difference between faith and foolishness or a thin line between faith and foolishness and I agree with that but there is a line and there is a difference between faith and foolishness and so we pray that God would just touch and the Lord said I will raise up a greater that's scary isn't it I will raise up a mightier if you think this is something if you'll move over I'll annihilate them and I will raise up a greater and a mightier people than this but Moses, having the heart of a shepherd, he, he interceded on their behalf. And even though God had to agree to hear the voice of Moses, all this came with God's judgment. And God said, I'm going to judge the people that have denied me. And I will allow them to raise another generation. And it's that generation that I'm going to bless. And so let's look at this in Numbers 14, chapter 20, chapter 14, verse 20. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. Amen. You know, I think it's cool how the Lord speaks to Moses. When, when Miriam and, and Aaron rose up against Moses, you know, the Lord really rebuked them before he judged them. And he said, you know, if I'm going to speak to somebody else, I might just speak in a voice. But to Moses, I'm going to speak face to face. Amen. I'm going, to, I'm going to talk to Moses. I'm going to talk to him. And so the Lord said, I have pardoned these people according to thy word. But, oh, wow, these three letters can change a whole lot. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord because those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice. Surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. Amen. They will not walk in. A generation coming will, but they will not walk in. Isn't it frightening to think that we could miss what God has in store? Amen. I mean individually as your family or as a church, isn't that a little frightening to think that we can miss what God is really wanting to pour out in our lives, reveal in our lives? In the book of Joshua chapter 5 and verse number 6, we find that this is exactly what happened. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people that were men of war which came out of Egypt were consumed because, because, they obeyed not the voice of the Lord unto whom <clears throat> they obeyed not the voice of the Lord unto whom the Lord swear that he would not show them the land which the Lord swear unto their fathers that he would give us a land that floweth with milk 
and honey. Now, here is a generation of people who walked for 40 years in the wilderness during these ensuing years, and I really want you to pay attention now. Amen. During these ensuing years, things went on somewhat normal. More laws were given, just like were given prior to this. More offerings were created, just like prior to that. Worship continued on in the wilderness. Amen. Joshua now is chosen as the next leader. And then came final instructions before this long-awaited entrance into Canaan. So here's what we see from a historical overview. If we just could kind of fly over this, Israel did not enter into Canaan the first time because of their lack of faith. And it's this faithlessness that resulted in them just wandering around. It resulted in rebellion. It resulted in deaths. It resulted in one funeral after another. Grave markers as they circled around and around and around, just getting larger every year. It's important to note, and I trust that you hear me today, it's important to note that during this time of wondering that worship continued. Amen. The tabernacle was always in the center. Amen. It, it, of, of the camp. Worship. There were some things in the midst of this wilderness wandering, there were some elements of life that remained the same. During these four decades of, of wandering, uh, they had the law, the offerings, the fees, the priesthood. All of these things were available to Israel even though they were wandering in the wilderness, even though they were out of the will of God. There was still a little church around them. There was still a little religion around them. There was still, there was still the, the promises of God that were with them. The Lord had given these things in preparation for their entering into the promised land. He wanted them to have the promised land, but they said, we'll take the wilderness instead. He wanted them to eat in the land that he spoke of all the way in Genesis 12 that flows with milk and honey, but they said, we're content with the manna. Amen. It's important to see that they made all of their decisions by inaction. Amen. My toes are bleeding, ladies and gentlemen. Their decisions were made by what they did not do, not what they did, not what they said. Amen. We, what is the, 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 the saying that actions speak louder than words? It was what they did not do. It was their inaction that, that uh, caused them to be judged of God. The inaction told the Lord, we don't believe. Amen. So now we move to a time where Moses has died, Joshua is leading, and the Lord now reiterates this promise to a new leader, new ears, a new heart, a new man in Joshua chapter 1. When this promise was validated, this is where we find the story of the two spies and Rahab. So this begs a question. Why is Rahab's story, why is this story found right here? This is the threshold of it all. Amen. This is the entry of it all. Right between the 40 years of faithless Israel and their transition 
into victorious Israel, right? When one generation is fading away and another generation is coming onto the scene. We're gonna look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 31. And the Bible says, by faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she received the spies with peace. Israel's faithlessness was revealed by their inaction, but Rahab's faith was revealed by her action. Amen, to get up and to move on that. Amen, to get up and move on what the Spirit of the Lord is dealing and, and stirring in her heart about. Rahab's story included in this important juncture, I believe because her actions illustrated true faith. We can all talk about faith. We can all talk about a lot of things, but it's what we do with all of this at the end of the day. What are we going to do about it? Somewhere we're gonna have to lift our hands and surrender acquiescing to the will of God, the way of God. Amen, God can stir us and deal with us, but we're going to have to move. We're going to have to move. Amen. <clears throat> she set the example for Israel. As a matter of fact, I believe that Rahab set the example for everyone going forward to the Lord's promise. I believe that there was and there still is a central message to all of this, and that is that faith includes action. You have to do something about that. Amen. Faith includes action. You can, you can propose marriage to somebody, but at some point or another, you're going to have to pull the trigger. Or it's not going to mean a whole lot. Amen. You can buy a ring. It takes two hands to lift up and put on the table. But at some point, if you don't set a date and you don't get in touch with somebody to, to say a few things over you, all of the proposal, all of the hopes and all the dreams and all the castle building is all going to mean nothing at all. Somewhere along the way, you have to stand up and realize that faith includes action. It's more than a mental acknowledgement of God. Rahab acted on her faith. Amen. She received those spies, which could have been to her death and the destruction of her entire family. She hid these messengers. Amen. If Israel would experience victory in this second attempt at the promised land, it's only going to come through obedience because faith includes action. Without action, without obedience to the Lord's direction, we can't enter into the promises of God no more than Israel could have entered into the promised land. So rather than the faithless Israel that was left wandering in the wilderness, amen, Rahab was willing to get up and do something about it. Amen. Now we've all had, we've all, I think, I know we all, all is a big word, broad brush, but I would think many of us today understand what it's like to move on the will of in the word of God. Can I get a witness? God speaks to our heart and we push through the fear and the uncertainty and we walk and step into what the Lord is promising. But we also all understand the bitterness of the opposite of that. God has spoken and we've been reserved. God has spoken and we've been hesitant. God has spoken and we explain it all away. God has spoken and we take faith and move it aside and set logic in the center of the table and say, but, 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 but. Many of us have been there. Now it's where we can 
look into the scripture and and this is where it can get a little bit confusing because in the case of Israel and it can be in our own lives as well Israel experienced a few victories along the way even in the wilderness they conquered Og and Sion but they were not in the will of God They enjoyed the miracle of manna every day, Elder Rayleigh, every day. But they were not in the will of God. And if we're not careful, we can come to church and say, Whoo, this feels good. We must be in the will of God. Not necessarily. I mean, I'm not trying to cast a shadow of doubt. I'm trying to challenge us with the word of God that we can't know what God wants us to do and withdraw that and just because we feel good in prayer or feel good about ourselves here or there think we must be in the will of God. Amen. We have to follow the Lord. We have to do what God is going to do if we're going to experience what God wants to give us in our life. The Lord had promised them milk and honey. It was a miracle to have the manna every day for six days. Enough Enough on the sixth day for the seventh day. What a miracle for that to be in their life. It is a miracle for us to come in and feel the presence of God. Amen. But you know what? It's also a promise. He said, if two or three are gathered together in my name, I will be there in the midst of them. So is the Lord here because he promised he would be here? Or is he here? Because we've been praying and fasting and we've been dedicating ourselves to the, to the word and the will of God. Amen. Would you accept this challenge today? Amen. The disciples moved forward. They did. They, <clears throat> and discipleship happens only as we obey the will of God. We have to act on the spiritual direction of the Lord. James said it this way. What good is it, is it going to be to, to say that we have faith if we don't have any actions to our faith? Amen. That kind of faith can't save anybody. Discipleship. Amen. That yielding ourselves to the will of God is a day by day by day thing. So I have to ask myself some hard questions. Am I praying or do I just know about prayer? So do you pray every day? Formally? Not driving down the interstate? Dodging cars? But do we formally pray every day or do we just know about prayer? We have to ask ourselves those questions. Am I fasting? Do we have a regular fasting regimen in our life? Or do I just know about it? I've just heard about it. Do I read and study and contemplate the word of God? Or am I just aware that I have a Bible on the nightstand and have six versions of the Bible on my iPad? Am I aware of that? Am I engaged in the fellowship of the body of Christ? Am I walking in the vein of where God would have me to be? Or am I just satisfied to worship and wonder? Worship and wonder. Because that's what Israel did. They worshiped a little while and wandered a little while. Worshiped a little while and wandered a little while. I want to tell you today, I want to be a worship in church and not a wandering church. Amen. I don't want to wander. I don't want to just meander from here to there. But pray God let your holy anointing be upon our lives. Praise God. I've used this analogy many times through the years and I will conclude my comments by using it again. That we and I'm thankful that we are a giving church. And so it is true that you could say, all of us can say that we belong to a given church. But the real important question is, am I a giver? Because there's a false sense of security 
that comes with everybody else doing the work. We're a worshiping church, but the real question is, are you and am I a worshiper? A praying church, but am I a praying man? Amen, are you a praying woman? Praise God. You see, discipleship is not some mental ascent to spirituality. It's acting on directions. Amen. We've all been moved and stirred at times in our life. Stirred to action. We're going to do something. We have heard messages. We have felt the presence of God that can that convicted us to another level of commitment. And if we're not careful, when the sun sets a couple of times, that commitment can just kind of wane away. So we have to be dedicated to pick up the Bible every day and get ourselves in it. We have to be dedicated to go to an altar every day and ask God to help us and touch us. Amen. To think about Rahab, the most unlikely of all Bible characters, what were the chances that someone would knock on her door? What were the chances that this opportunity would present itself to her? But it did. And she did something about it. And because of that, Rahab's family was spared. But they weren't just spared. Here's the cool part. It would have been enough if they had just been allowed to live. But God honored her faith to a whole other level that she could have never dreamed about. Amen. She could have just started over a new life with new options, but that's just not how God does it. Now, the Lord and the Word of God is somewhat silent on some of these details, but here's what we do know, that somewhere along the way, Rahab married a man by the name of Salmon. And into this marriage was born a son named Boaz. And Ruth finds herself peaceably living and blessed in the land of Israel. She goes from living in a home in a wall, a lifestyle of shame, not wanting to look anyone in the eye because of her profession, to living in the promised land. The power of one decision. The power of one decision. The Bible says Joshua saved Rahab and her father's household and all that she had because she hid the messengers that Joshua sent to spy out the land. You see, the story seems to summarize the actions of the church. It's what we do, or at least it's what we should do. When the Lord gives clear and concise directions, I need to stand and walk into that promise. You know, now here's the thing. I'm going to ask you to stand. Here's the thing. Sometimes in a... In a child's life, they have kind of blind faith. There was a day that I just feel sure there was a day that Brother Kenny could say to Daryl as a small child, just jump, I'll catch you. And until his son, Brother Daryl, could start thinking logically, he jumped. It would probably be a more difficult task today. Amen. Y'all are going way further than this. I'm sorry, D. I was, in my mind, the illustration was a totally different thing. But logic. Logic now prevents both parties from even wanting to be a participant. 
And the reason is because both of them have failed at times. Amen. Brother Kenny's been taught something that he dropped. And Brother Daryl has probably fallen somewhere along the way. And now logic tells me I got to be more careful. And I got to be more guarded. I am not suggesting that we throw logic to the wind as though it doesn't matter at all. But logic should never take the place of faith. It is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. It's what we do. It's what we do. And so what will we do with the word of the Lord? It's what we do that truly matters. Amen. Can we slip our hands up? Can we love the Lord? Can we just ask God to touch his word to our heart? Amen. We need his spirit to strengthen us. We need his holy anointing to be with us, to lead us, to guide us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386 935 2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.